Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis solo here for the next two hours, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron88. And catch all my work at ScoutFantasySports.com. Our Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit is littered with great content that's going to help you dominate for the upcoming season. Sean Childs has an article out now on how to work your roster and how you can't be too patient with players. Very good article, certainly, especially for the high-stakes formats. I advise you checking it out. Uh, We got Stockwatch from Dr. Roto. I have my spring training observations constantly tweaking my rankings, which are going to take a lot of time over the next few days with a lot of news filtering out today, and we're going to get to that. So if you want to see my rankings, which were number two among fantasy experts for draft accuracy for last season, according to Fantasy Pros, you can check that out. Use the promo code BATS50 to get 50% off your first two months. My preseason pro picks where you get sleepers, busts for American League, National League pitcher, offensive player, stash and cash players as well. We got closer depth chart and bullpen updates from Sean Childs. News there coming as well. So just a ton of great content as part of our fantasy baseball draft kit. So you can check it out now. We got fantasy NASCAR rankings. So lots of different sports that we cover. And again, especially baseball with a lot of people having drafts this weekend, even though there are two games in the books out in Japan. Uh, still lots of drafts ahead. Uh, I got a draft on Sunday and even one next Wednesday as well. Who knows? Maybe another one pops up at some point. But lots of great content in the draft kit, so you can check it out. Uh, we also got ScoutDFS.com. Cover you for NBA, MLB, NHL, NASCAR, PGA, and MMA. And VegasWhispers.com, and obviously now is a good time to join with all of the college basketball games going on, and we'll keep you posted on some of the scores here from the afternoon so far. Uh, nothing really exciting. Got quite a few uh, blowouts going on right now in the early games, but uh, we'll keep you posted if anything happens uh, during the tournament or if a game goes down to the wire. But right now it is uh, uh, certainly... Uh, Games are in comfortable position in the early games, but obviously that can change. And usually the first day is always an exciting day of the tournament. Uh, but we got uh, Louisville. They're down 12 to Minnesota with five minutes to go. LSU leads Yale by 10 early second half, and Auburn has opened up a nine-point lead on New Mexico State, a 12 seed that has uh, gotten some popularity here for the um, – up potential upset. So uh, we'll keep you posted on everything that's going on there. We'll have Scott Pianowski of Yahoo Sports coming up at 2.40 p.m. Eastern. We'll talk about his Mixed League Tout Wars auction team. 
uh, how he put it together, some of his analysis on the players. We'll have Steve Renner, scoutdfs.com, coming up at 3.20 p.m. Eastern, and we'll talk baseball with him, and we'll preview the night in NBA DFS to wrap up the show as always. But we kick it off with some baseball news, and obviously there was a game early this morning with the Mariners beating the A's 5-4 to four in 12 innings. Uh, but some obviously one of the biggest storylines is Ichiro retiring, and he was pulled out in the eighth inning given a standing ovation. So, you know, we knew Ichiro was only going there for the two games, and, and that would be it for him. Uh, it fitting that it ended in Japan, and uh, Seattle was the team that was going over there, so that worked out for him. And Ichiro obviously had a great career from a real and fantasy perspective. Defensively, we saw his arm. You saw the throw that he made the other day. So, a tremendous hitter, uh, stolen bases, so congrats to Ichiro. But for uh, fantasy purposes, uh, the thing that we have to watch now is Matt Olson because he left today's game with pain in his right hand. Uh, he was one for two with a run scored, and uh, he had to be taken out of the game because he fouled off a pitch, and he felt pain in his hand. Then he had trouble gripping a bat. So that usually is a hammy bone. Uh, he's going to come back to the U.S. and then get examined. So we might not know for a couple days, but this is certainly something to be concerned about. And you're going to have to, you know, push him down a little bit. Uh, certainly concerning for me as someone who is a Matt Olson supporter and someone that I've drafted in a couple leagues already, uh, including Tout Wars. Uh, and I did get him in my NFBC auction on Sunday for $14. And I remember someone saying after, oh, that's a good buy. Yeah, those usually sometimes don't work out or something happens. But Olsen was on pace, I think, to have a really big year. I love the A's lineup. You know, I did have Olsen last year. It was a little bit of a disappointment. It wasn't a bad year, but I think you're hoping for a little bit more. But he did have 29 homers, 84 RBIs, batted 247. We know in 2017, he came in. 59 games, 24 homers, 45 RBIs, about a 259. So this is definitely something to keep an eye on for sure, uh, especially if you're drafting tonight, tomorrow. You know, you're going to have to downgrade him just a little bit. Uh, maybe it turns out to be nothing, but certainly there has to be some concern there. Uh, hand injuries are not what you want to see. So uh, you're probably looking at at least, I would think, maybe a month absence at this point, four to six weeks. So we'll just have to wait and find out exactly what's going on. But you do have to move him down uh, your draft board for now. And it's always tricky when you're doing a draft and you just don't know what the injury is. You know, the cautious approach is just to say, you know what, I'm going to pass on him. But obviously, at some point, everyone becomes a value. And you need to decide that for yourself of where you're going to go with him. Uh, bad news overnight. This happened probably around... Midnight, 1 a.m. Eastern, the A's prospect, Jesus Lazardo, is being shut down for four to six weeks. He has a muscle strain in his left shoulder, so that's his throwing shoulder. And he was probably going to open the season in the rotation, even though he didn't start one of the two games in Japan. You know, I felt like he was the best pitcher for the A's, and he's one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. So now he's not going to throw for a month. So you're looking at late April, early May. So he still can be someone relevant in fantasy this year, but it's a young pitcher with a shoulder injury. Uh, I'm definitely concerned, and he has to really fall for me to the later rounds because we just can't stash every player. And I think that's what sometimes people forget. 
yeah, you want to try and get Fernando Tatis and, you know, Severino commits a month and Kershaw. You can't have a multitude of these players because more injuries are going to happen. This is what I said a month ago. So say you said, all right, I'll take a shot on Severino. I'll take a shot on this guy. And then you have Olsen. Then you have Lazard. Now, all of a sudden, if you don't have any DL spots, you just can't hold all these guys on your bench. So that's another thing, too, is to look and see who people cut the first week. Because you might be in a situation where you have no injuries, and maybe you have someone that you drafted late three weeks ago that now is not as relevant. And there's someone on the waiver wire. You could pick them up, but look and see who the people drop week one because you might get someone valuable. But as far as Lazardo, I really got to push him down my draft board now because we know already he was going to be limited innings-wise this year, and now he's got this injury to open up. So I did draft him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, so already hurting there. I uh, got him, got Aaron Hicks, so already dealing with some injuries. And again, the injuries are going to come. Uh, Lazardo, I, I got to push him down. So I already pushed him down a little bit. My rankings will probably be pushed down more. Uh, and again, it all really comes down to what you have on your roster at that point. If you have unlimited DL spots, then yeah, it's fine. You know, if you already drafted them, you just put them on the DL. No need to worry. But if you're playing in a league where you have maybe seven bench spots, then it's a problem. Uh, because you might have other injuries, and how long can you hold the guy uh, when he's going to be you know, out at least two? Uh, it's a month and a half, two months. I mean, if he's going to be shut down four to six weeks, you're not going to see him for at least two months, and we're already here March 21st. So you're probably looking at mid-May at the earliest that he's back, and it might turn out to be early June, or it could turn out to be something more serious. So... Definitely concerns there with Lazardo. Definitely big concerns with the Brewers and their bullpen. Corey Knable has taken a break from throwing, and he has an elbow issue now. And Craig Council, the manager, said reason for concern was his quote. And he is Knable's uh, going to see a doctor this afternoon. He hasn't thrown in a few days. So he said he's not in pain. But this is a problem because we just heard yesterday that the Brewers were interested in in Craig Kimbrell, and it was getting serious. And we were sitting there like, why would they do that? Well, all of a sudden, you have Corey Knabel dealing with this issue, Jeremy Jeffers on the DL to begin the year with a shoulder, so this looked like to be a, a very good bullpen. Now, all of a sudden, you got potentially two guys not there to begin the year, and one potentially with a serious injury here in Knabel. So if you're drafting today, I think you just do not draft him. Or if you do, it's got to be towards the end of your draft because it doesn't sound good for Knable, who I actually did like this year, even though I don't think I have him. I might have gotten him in a scout for before, but I liked him for his price because I think a lot of people were worried about how many saves would he get? Would it be Josh Hader? Uh, I thought he had a good second half. He's a player I did not like last year. So, Again, another situation, uh, a closer, where we're just not sure what's going on with Milwaukee, and we'll see if they add Kimbrell. Certainly sounds like that's a realistic possibility, uh, but you got to, I think, scratch Knable off your draft board if you're drafting tonight until we get further news because it uh, sounds like it could potentially be a wasted pick. And, you know, if they don't sign Kimbrell, do they make Hater the closer? And if they did, man, he would just – He'd have to be the first closer taken off the board. If you knew Josh Hader had the job, he'd be first, second closer off the board uh, with the numbers that he puts up. So 
I don't know if that happens. They still seem to like him in that multi-inning role, but it's worth paying attention to here to see what happens uh, with the Brewers and uh, Craig Kimbrell, see if they do indeed sign him. The Brewers also have named the starters for their rotation, and Brandon Woodruff will begin opening. Actually, Jules Chachin will start opening day, and joining him in the rotation will be Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and Zach Davies. So Chase Anderson goes to the bullpen, and Chase Anderson was someone that I didn't want, wasn't drafting him. Do have interest in pretty much all the other Brewers' arms. I've seen I haven't gotten, uh, but Woodruff I'm interested in, even though I don't have him. Corbin Burns I like, Freddie Peralta. You know, Peralta's got big-time strikeout upside. He does have some command issues, uh, but he did have stretches last year where he was relevant. So I was able to get Burns and Peralta, I think, in the reserve rounds of the NFBC auction uh, this past Sunday. So, obviously, their price might go up a little bit, but nothing crazy. I don't think... People are going to push them up, but they definitely have good arms. Certainly worth considering late in your drafts. Uh, the bullpen strength for Milwaukee should be there, assuming that they're healthy. And those guys could be in position to get a lot of wins. They don't even need to go very deep into games. Some pretty good news here on Francisco Lindor. Obviously, he's been dealing with that calf injury, but he's run near full effort in a minor league game so really right now it's just seeing him run full speed and Lindor wants to play in a spring game and he's hoping that they'll let him play opening day um and he said that you know he feels good to go and he wants to play opening day we'll see if the Indians do that probably not wise to rush him at this point but it's looking better for Lindor, who I would think would start to move up the draft board just a little bit. So you've generally seen him go mid-second round of drafts. Uh, as I mentioned with the Tout Wars Mixed League draft that I did on March 5th, I was stunned that he was there for me at pick 29 in an OBP league. I was just stunned that they put uh, Lindor, that he fell that far. I was not expecting it at all, and it's just an example of why I always say when you're in a draft, you can try and map out things all you want, but there are always going to be surprises thrown your way. And I was in a draft on Tuesday night where there were a lot of surprises. I'm going to talk a little bit about that coming up, but certainly uh, promising for Lindor there. Greg Bird is getting x-rays on his right elbow. He got hit by a pitch yesterday, and there was swelling and tightness in the area. Obviously, he's battling for the first base job with Luke Voigt, and Voigt's the guy who's going higher in draft. Voigt's been hitting cleanup, and he's hit again in the spring. So I still like Voigt the most, uh, but Bird has just been injury-prone. It's been a problem for him. Uh, he is very cheap in drafts, though. Definitely worth taking a shot late in case he could get this job, but I think it'll be Luke Voigt. Once again, uh, we don't know who the closer is in Arizona. Tori Lovolo, the manager, said he isn't ready to announce a closer, and he's decided between Archie Bradley, Greg Holland, and Yoshisha Hirano. So uh, based on the spring, Hirano's had the best spring. Bradley has a 6-2-3 ERA. Holland 12.27. I don't think it's going to be Holland. The velocity's been down. But, you know, you never know. Managers make these decisions. Uh, I did get Archie Bradley in one league last week. But uh, I, I really don't know. I think it's either going to be Bradley or Hirano. But it seems like they still have Holland in the mix, which is a little surprising. Matt Carpenter has been out with a back injury. They're saying he could return to the team on Sunday. 
Uh, but there's a chance that he's not ready for opening day and they might hold him back to get some more at-bats. But remember, Carpenter has a history of back issues, so just keep that in mind. Uh, Alex Reyes is going to open the season in the bullpen with the Cardinals, and I don't think that's any surprise at all. Obviously, he's been one of the top prospects but has injuries the last two years, and you might see him in the rotation at some point this year. I did take him in a draft the other night. It was very late. Uh, everyone passed on him, but... Figured I would hold on to him. You never know. You know, injury occurs the first week or two of the season. Or maybe he's lights out in the bullpen and maybe he closes for a little bit. I doubt it. I don't think they want to put him in that role. But you don't know when you take a shot on an arm that is as dynamic as him that late in the draft. Good news for Tyler Skaggs is he did appear in a game yesterday. He was dealing with a forearm issue uh, the last week or so. He allowed five inch, three runs in five innings. So two strikeouts, no walks. So... Uh, he had a bad first inning and rebounded, so definitely good news here. Uh, hasn't been good in the spring, but the fact that he was able to throw and seems healthy to start the year, that's definitely a good sign uh, for a guy like Skaggs, who has gone cheap in drafts. We'll continue to go over some of the latest news, recap the game from Japan, and I'm going to take a look at a draft that I did the other night. That is ahead right here. It is Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. My name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. Rain. How would you like to be uh, an Alabama fan right now who was a 18 and a half point uh, favorite last night and ended up a losing to an eight seed in a tournament they obviously didn't want to be in, which is, you know, what makes those so much fun to watch and to bet on. They were still somehow an 18 and a half point favorite last night and they lost. That is how you make money. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Back here in his Scout Fantasy Sports, Adam Ronis solo today, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern here on a Thursday afternoon as it is the opening day of the NCAA tournament. We had some good drafts over at playffwc.com. 
Obviously, those are finished, but you could also head over to ScoutFantasySports.com, get all your fantasy baseball data, information, strategy that you need to dominate this upcoming season. Use the promo code BATS50, get 50% off your first two months. You get updated rankings for me. Finished number two, according to Fantasy Pros, in the expert draft accuracy rankings last year. Sean Childs, a top high-stakes player, is in the NFBC Hall of Fame. He's got a lot of good content out there. Strategies, rankings, and this latest is a look at churning your roster in order to win. And I think it's very important. Sometimes we get too patient with players, hold on too long, and it prevents us from picking up someone that could help us on our current roster. So make sure you check that article out. Uh, Some other baseball news. Corey Seager made his spring debut yesterday and homered. He's coming off the Tommy John surgery and hip surgery. So they were expecting him not to play in the spring. So certainly it was a good sign there that he was able to play. They might take it slowly with him. Uh, Dodgers also announced Austin Barnes is going to catch three out of every five games. I like him as a number two catcher this year. Obviously, there was a lot of hype on him last year, and he disappointed, but this guy has a good bat. Clint Kershaw said he'll need about 20 days to rebuild his arm strength uh, as he's missed most of the spring here. Still think he's risky to me. And Matt Strom probably has probably seen his stock jump the most in fantasy this year. I saw him go in the... NFBC Ultimate League the other night, I think it was it was either the 10th or the 11th round of a 15-team league, and I was like, wow. He was a guy I got in Tout Wars on March 5th of round 25. Five scoreless innings with four strikeouts and no walks yesterday. So he's got the good slider. He said he's put in a lot of work, and he has looked good. So definitely someone to take a look at late in your drafts. Early this morning, we had the second game in Japan. The Mariners beat the A's in 12 innings, 5-4. Again, the big story here, Ichiro retiring, pulled out in the eighth inning to a standing ovation. Obviously, a lot of tears there. You could check all the video for that. Matt Olson left this game with a hand injury. We're not exactly sure the extent of it at this point, but he couldn't grip a bat. Could be a handmade bone. Hopefully not, but keep that in mind if you're drafting this weekend. Uh, we didn't really talk a lot. I don't think we talked about him, but Chad Pender uh He's going to be in there against the lefties and maybe play some first base, too, if Olsen's out. He's a really interesting late-round pick. And uh, in the draft that I'm about to discuss, late in the draft, I had an opportunity, and it came down to Pinder or Brandon Lau from Tampa Bay. And I just thought Lau had maybe more potential at-bats, and I took him. And then, like, two hours later, they signed him to a contract extension. But Pinder is a very, very good play late in mixed league drafts. He's got power and also multiple positions. And... Any injury that happens, he's going to find his way into the lineup. And a very good lineup, you know, hitting fifth against lefties, that speaks volumes. And Marcus Simeon hitting leadoff against the lefty, that probably will happen quite a bit. Another guy that I like in the middle rounds, three for six with a run and an RBI for the A's yesterday. Mitch Hanniger, homer, he should have a very good year. He was good last year. And uh, Ryan Healy with a home run. And Tim Beckham, a uh, very good couple games to start, two for four with a run. Domingo Santana with a stolen base. We talked about him a lot in the preseason. I have him in quite a few leagues. Uh, took him in tout wars and uh, already a home run and a stolen base. Uh, Kikuchi made his debut for the Mariners and was okay. Obviously wore down a little bit. Needed 91 pitches to get through four and two-thirds. A lot of four hits, two runs, one earned a walk, and three Ks. Hunter Strickland with another save. His second save of the season. He scoreless innings. With a strikeout. So 
He was very cheap in drafts. I think a lot of people doubted him, and he might not keep the job the whole year, but look how cheap he was in drafts. I was able to get him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, and I was hesitant in some other leagues to take him and uh, should have uh, been a little bit more aggressive with him there because uh, he has the job, and that's the biggest thing. And the guys behind him are hurt. Anthony Swarzak, DL, Sean Armstrong, DL. So uh, good start there for Armstrong. Marco Estrada gets us to start for the A's. Five innings, five hits, three runs, no walks a K, and allowed two home runs, and that's always been the biggest problem for him. Blake trying to pitch two scoreless innings, struck out four. Uh, looks like he's going to pick up where he left off last year. He's very expensive in drafts, but still someone that like a lot. But I probably will have no shares this year because he costs too much. Uh, I want to talk about this draft from the other night, uh, Greenwich Street Tavern League. Uh, some people in the industry, listeners of the show, so – participated in it last year, narrowly missed out on first place. It was a tight battle near the top, wound up finishing third and cashing. Had the third pick in this draft, and I hate the third pick. I put out a question on Twitter last night, assuming Mike Trout and Mookie Betsagarn, who would you take with the third pick? And the answers varied like crazy, which goes to show you why it's not a great pick, in my opinion. Maybe you feel differently, and you think there's someone that really stands out above the rest. I don't, because I think the guy that you get at three, you might be able to get a ten. And you could see that in the answers. The answers were Jose Ramirez, Nolan Arenado, Ronald Acuna, J.D. Martinez, Max Scherzer, Christian Yelich, Aaron Judge. It's all over the place. Trey Turner. So uh, we talked a little bit about this issue, but J.D. Martinez went 12 in this draft. That's insane because I could easily see him going third or fourth. And this is my example of why. You don't know what's going to happen in a draft. And maybe you know the room and the competition well, and you can have a good idea. But this draft was a little unpredictable, and you know, I didn't know everyone in the room. So I went with Christian Yelich third. Uh, I thought it was between Yelich, Acuna, and J.D. Martinez for me. I did not want to take Max Scherzer three. I understand why people do it. I just don't like starting my drafts like that. And you know, he's throwing a ton of innings. He's 34 years old. And I'm not saying he's going to suck or be a disappointment. I just don't want to start my draft with a pitcher when I knew coming back on the two three turn that I would probably take one pitcher that I would like. And it was not the group I expected, but uh, I got the last one before the drop off in the tier. And, you know, Yelich obviously had a career year last year as far as the power. But this guy is a really good hitter. He's 27 years old. And even if he doesn't hit, the, for the power that he did last year, I just think the floor is high in every other single category. The guy batted 326 last year, and he's a career 297 hitter. So if, say, he goes down and hits 3, 305 over a large amount of at-bats, it's a high batting average floor. He scored 118 runs, drove in 110, stole 22 bases. So I just think that there's a high floor in every single category who can contribute. And again, even if the power goes down because – this guy's not a big fly ball hitter at all. 23.5% fly ball rate last year and a 35% home run to fly ball rate. That's not going to last. We know that. But the park helped, and when he does hit fly balls, he does hit them hard and deep. Uh, his hard hit percentage, 47.6%. So say he only hits 26, 27 home runs. Obviously, I'd like more, but I still think you can get excellent counting stats, the steals, and the average. So... I went with the high floor across the board there with my first pick. Then you saw Jose Ramirez go for Aaron Judge went five. This was to a Yankee fan, and you know I have been a big Aaron George 
proponent this year. I have said that he was a first-round pick when he was going in the second round. I took him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational at 12. I don't think I would push him up to five, uh, but I do think he has a big year, and uh, I actually think he's going to win the American League MVP. He's uh, had a great spring. He's got legit power, and it's a good lineup, and uh, I think he has a big year. Max Scherzer goes six. Nolan Arenado, seven. Bryce Harper, eight. Trey Turner, nine. DeGrom, 10. Acuna, 11. That's another steal. <laughs> That's why, imagine picking 11 and you get Acuna or J.D. Martinez at 12. Just crazy. But again, it's how you follow up after that. Trevor Story at 13. Sale, 14. Verlander, 15. That was the first round. So, you know, you plan out, you think what's there in the second round. So I said, all right. If Trevor Bauer's there, I'll take him. Figure he he might make it back. Wasn't sure. But Walker Bueller went in the middle of the second round. JT Real Muto went in the second round. As high as I've seen him go. I was stunned by that. Alex Bregman falls to 2-8. Uh, Manny Machado falls to 2-10. Blake Snell goes 2-11. So I'm sitting there like, wow, I'm going to be looking at a really good pick. So... Bauer was there, but so was Freddie Freeman. And Freddie Freeman at 2.13 was just too good to pass up. And this is what I looked at. I said, okay, I really want Trevor Bauer, but I cannot pass on Freddie Freeman. So what is it going to look like when I come back for pitching? So I looked at it, and I said, all right, the tier, I got Bauer, Carrasco, and Syndergaard. So I said, all right, one of them should make it back. So let me take that chance. And again, I could be wrong. Maybe someone double taps the pitchers. So I take Freeman. Uh, Freeman, to me, is one of the best hitters in baseball. Now, the lack of power the last well, last year is a little concerning. I thought in that ballpark, too, for lefty, it would be better. Uh, he did it 34 months, two years ago, and he had 28 in 2017 in 117 games before you know he got hit by a pitch and, and hurt his wrist. But last year, he had 309, 94 runs, 98 RBs, and 10 steals. I think that's what people don't realize about Freddie Freeman. Ask someone, okay, who's the first baseman who steals bases? They're going to tell you Paul Goldschmidt. And that was true up until last year. Goldschmidt didn't get to double digits. Freeman had 10 last year. He had eight two years ago. He'll run. Not a lot. But again, I've said it repeatedly, seven to 10 stolen bases, it helps. They add up. So... Getting Freeman here to me is just, uh, I couldn't pass that up. It's a guy that hit 309 last year, 307 in 2017, 302 in 2016, a full year of Ronald Acuna. It's a good lineup, and now I've got a lot of batting average. I have two guys that should hit 300 and potentially higher. So it puts me in a really good spot to absorb some low batting average later on. And the counting stats across the board are going to be good, and he's going to give me some speed. And I still feel that there's there's a potential for 30 home runs there. He does Last year, he didn't hit a lot of fly balls because he was hitting so many line drives. He had a 32.3% line drive rate last year. And you say, wow, that's not repeatable. And it's not, but his career mark is 27.7%. So Freeman's just a good hitter. I get to see him a lot. And... Uh, as a Mets fan, he's the guy I fear up at the plate. I'm like, oh, no, here comes Freddie Freeman. It's going to be a hit. So I couldn't pass him there. Now, of course, Bauer did not return, but I was able to get Noah Syndergaard in round three. And, yes, there's definitely some risk with Syndergaard in his health, but we also know that there is big upside. And at least last year, it was a finger injury, hand, mouth, 
foot disease, so it wasn't arm-related. He's looked pretty good in the spring. He's working on a new pitch, too, which maybe will help because his fastball does get hit. Sometimes it is straight, but uh, figured Syndergaard was someone that I had to take there uh, before the drop-off uh, in pitching. Uh, then in round four, I took Carlos Correa the first time I took him this year. And I understand why people are not enamored with Correa. But if you watch this guy play, he can flat out hit. Uh, he's not going to, it doesn't seem like he's going to run. We did see that early in his career, but he's 24 years old. He had some injuries last year, which uh, affected the numbers and two years ago as well. So injuries have been a part of uh, the problem for him. He did homer, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Uh, but he has the ability to put up big numbers uh, if he can stay healthy in the middle of this Astros lineup. So we're getting a little bit of a discount on him. End of round four. I haven't taken him anywhere yet. And look at what was on the board. Really what don't didn't love anything there. And I felt like I needed some power because I got two guys in the first two rounds who might not reach 30 home runs. So that's why I didn't go Segura. I thought about you know, uh, Barrios and Murphy, but there was nothing that really stood out there. So I just went with Correa. Then on the way back, I went with Daniel Murphy. It was either Murphy or Barrios, and then Barrios went the next pick. But Murphy, to me, can hit 340, 350 in Coors Field. And I know people are worried about the knee, but he's playing first base. So I don't think it's as much of a problem, and he did finish the year. So I do have several Daniel Murphy shares this year, but this guy is just a pure hitter, man. And in Coors Field, I really could see him hitting 340, 350. Uh, 322 two years ago, 347 in 2016, 299 last year, and that was with a really bad start. So, uh, you know, I could see him 20-plus you know, home runs, 90 RBIs. So I already have a lot of batting average. I mean, Murphy should be a 300 hitter. Yelich, Freeman. And Correa is the wild card, but he could hit 280, 290. So it already sets in a good base, which had me immediately thinking, all right, Joey Gallo's a great fit for this team. So he was definitely on the radar, and I didn't get him, unfortunately. Round six uh, went with Victor Robles. Again, another player that I had no shares of who I like. Now, he is probably going to begin the season hitting at the bottom of the order, probably eighth, but he's been running a lot in the spring. And I was a little light on speed at this point. Again, I'll get maybe t hopefully 20 from Yelich, 8 to 10 from Freeman. Murphy's not going to run. Correa, maybe 5. So felt like, all right, you know, a lot of the speed guys were taken. So let me take Robles because this guy, and he's got surprising pop too. So felt like at that point it was worth taking. And then round 7, looking at the board, and it's like, hmm, no one really stood out. The pitchers seemed like a reach. So I said, Maybe this is a good time to take a closer. It's round seven. Let me get that one solid closer in a 15-team league. Kenley Jansen went the pick before me, and I went Brad Hand. And I was hoping this would spur a closer run, and it absolutely did. The next few picks, Aroldis Chapman, Jose LeClerc, Roberto Osuna, Felipe Vasquez, uh, then Bumgarner, Bradley, and Kirby H., Sean Doolittle, Wade Davis. So, boy, that run just went nuts. So, Sometimes you're on the wrong end of a run. This time it worked out because I feel like Brad Hand is a top five closer. So now that I locked in one closer, I don't really have to reach worry about it because I'm just trying to be competitive in the category and it's something I can address either late in the draft, taking a shot on some players late, or 
uh, work through the waiver wire. So, you know, it's a 15-team league, and that's the way I decided to do it there. So in round eight, went with uh, Travis Shaw in round eight. I think Shaw is a little undervalued. He's got eligibility at a few positions. He played some second base last year, so he's got second and third eligibility. He's got some pop. It's a great Brewers lineup. And, yeah, the batting average might be a concern, but as I mentioned before, I, I have a, a lot of good batting average early on. So uh, that's why I took Shaw on, and, you know, I'm already going to have some position flexibility. Murphy will eventually get first base eligibility. Uh, Shaw is second and third, so a couple guys that I can move around. It's important early on later in draft for the middle of the field, quarter infield spot. Shaw batted 241 last year, 273 two years ago. Also gets some stolen bases. 10 two years ago, five last year. Uh, was 32-86. So like getting that flexibility there of Travis Shaw. Round nine took Eduardo Rodriguez. May seem early, but a lot of the pitchers were flying off the board. And I like Rodriguez this year. I really think that you know he can step up. It's about durability for him. And can he get to 150, 160 innings? But we have seen him working on a new pitch here in the spring. The strikeouts are there. It's a matter of just being more durable and decreasing that whip. We'll talk a little bit more about this draft coming up at the top of the hour. But when we return, I'm going to be joined by Scott Pianowski of Yahoo Sports. We're going to talk his Tout Wars Mixed League Auction Draft. That is next here on Scout Fantasy Sports. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. The morning after. Whether you're a Wall Street guy right now as we speak calling in $50,000 bets on the college games, we're all degenerates at heart. Addiction is addiction. The guy in an alley right now having a drink, getting the same rush as his soccer mom drinking a glass of wine for breakfast right now. You're in the same spot, baby. You two are the same. So as sports gamblers, it's very hard to be disciplined because we're not disciplined people. That's why we bet on sports all the time. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rona Solo here today taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. 
And you can check out the Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit, including my rankings. Use the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first two months. Once you are done drafting your season-long fantasy baseball teams and the MLB season gets underway, it's time to swing for the fences playing daily fantasy baseball with DailyRoto.com, who is looking to make someone their eighth millionaire winner. If you are playing MLB DFS on DraftKings or FanDuel, let Daily Roto help you hit a home run. The 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package is now live with lineup alerts and weather updates, fantasy projections, and millionaire-creating lineup optimizers. Save 10% on winning MLB DFS advice with an early bird special using promo code FNTSY. That's the 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package at DailyRoto.com. Use promo code FNTSY and get your 10% early bird discount today. Joining me now, it is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo Sports. Scott, what's going on? Not much, Adam. How you doing? Uh, doing good, man. Just uh, it's a little little tired, man. Long weekend out in New York and uh, still a couple more drafts to go. How many drafts do you have left? At least two. Um, I may organize another kind of uh, FOMO league, you know, for all the guys that didn't get the draft. So maybe maybe three, but certainly uh, one auction to go, one head-to-head draft to go. So I'm pretty much done. How often does it happen to you where maybe you are talking about a player, writing about him that you really like, and for some reason you never get him in any draft? <laughs> it, can't, it can't happen. The, the auction I'm doing this weekend is an in-person auction and it goes at a very deliberate pace. They're, they're very generous about the clock, which I, I don't, you know, I don't mind it. I like to tell Wars pace, and I would prefer that most of the time. But I like to play in different formats. And this league is as much about the social experience as it is about the competitiveness of the league. But what some of the guys will do is they'll buy um, products that I've, I've been involved in, like a magazine, or they'll print out some of my stuff from the web. And they'll call time out in the middle of an auction and they'll have a player and, and they'll read word for word what I've written about somebody if it's particularly um, you know, compelling about a player, if it shows that I, I'm very much in or out on that player. They'll just expose it to the whole room and then look at me and, and laugh with this wicked laugh. So, you know, you, you know it's, it's the price of what we do. We have great jobs. We work in the toy department. I'm not complaining about it. I actually enjoy it. It's funny. But that's a team where I kind of have to go against tendency because all my tendencies are nakedly exposed to the room. Well, I agree with you. We do have great jobs, and it's fun. But I don't like it. But at the same time, so last year, like Blake Trinan was someone I was talking about and had in a lot of leagues. Me too. Got Me to too. my home league auction, and he's going for like 24 25 I said, all right, guys, you want him? Take him. Like, for me, there's a price, obviously. And I'll find someone else. Did I want him? Yes. But, hey, if you guys are going to overpay – and here's a better story back in the day. So everyone knew every year in the auction, I loved Mark Teixeira. So my best friend kept bidding me up like crazy. And I, want, I just said I stopped, let him have him, and he had a bad year. So there's always a replacement. And I think when people see in your home league that you are constantly on a player, they know that you want them. They're going to bid you up. We got to understand there's some time to bail out, and you can have them. Totally agree. I, you know, as always, we usually agree on this type of stuff. I want to give. I like to give any option I'm in. I like to give that room the idea that I will back away from any player. You know, um, so I don't want them to feel like they can push me around because I mean, if they get if the price gets 
a point where I think it's not worth it. I'm just going to walk away as a big player pool. You know, even in a, in a 15, I, I generally play 12 to 15 team mixed, but you know, there's usually another alternative. You, you got to make sure you don't buy when it's clear that there's one guy left of the position or one guy left. He does a certain something, but yeah, I want to give the room as much of a signal that look, I'm going to bid on guys if I think it's worth it. You're not going to throw extra plus ones at me until the end of time because I have to have Jacob DeGrom or I, I have to have Max Scherzer or Mookie Betts or whoever it is. I'll walk away from anybody. Talking to Scott Pianowski, you can find him at Yahoo Sports. He was a participant in the Tout Wars Mixed League Auction Draft over the weekend in New York. It's a league with on-base percentage. And what's your general strategy going into auctions? Do you have tiers of players written down for a certain price? Do you just play the values? What was specifically with this Tout Wars draft, which is OBP? What was your general strategy going in? I will say I'm much more willing to pay for an OBP profile than I am for a batting average profile because there's less variance to it. So even though I didn't necessarily go in saying I was going to walk out with Harper or Vado or Carpenter and I got all three of those guys, I think you're, you're getting. I'm more willing to pay for what they do as on base percentage guys than I would for somebody who's necessarily a batting average player because there's just so much fluctuation in batting average but i think some sort of tiering makes sense it's not hard-coded to me but you need to have an idea of what players are similar when um you know if if, what's the alternative if i don't buy player a is there a player b who's similar player c who's at least you know 40 60 to outperform that player when does it really drop off i know these these judgments of ours are somewhat arbitrary we're going to be wrong on a lot of things there's going to be things we can never know right now there's probably like 47 pitchers who have elbows that hurt and we just don't know about it yet and we're going to figure it out you know in the middle of the season or or whatever um so it's an unknowable game but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to put an intelligent approach towards it i like the idea of early on this is one of the oldest tried and true auction things but you you put out players that you don't want generally, or if you've bought a first baseman and you're not going to buy two first basemen or big ticket items, if you bought Goldschmidt, then you, you might want to throw Freddie Freeman out because he's probably not going to make sense for your team. Or if you bought Trinan, you go throw one of the bigger closers out or something like that. But also, it's important early on to get a sense of how the room feels about certain types of players. What is If you know, if Matt Scherzer gets bought early in your auction and he went for 40 in, in the Tout Mixed League, that probably gives you an idea what DeGrom's going to go for somewhere in that range. So it's a good idea early on to get a sense of what the calibration of the room is. And the way you can do that is try to find the most attractive players that you maybe you for whatever reason you don't like as much as the consensus seems to like and then you'll get a sense of pricing and other people will be knocking off spots when you'll still have some flexibility you got jt real muto for 25 dollars. gary sanchez went for 26 we know real muto gets a big boost going to philly the change in ballparks was that part of the plan going in did you want to get real muto or uh you liked the price and you saw the big discrepancy among the catchers and felt like you got an advantage getting real muto in one of the two spots. Yeah. I generally wouldn't be a catcher guy in a 10 or 12 teamer, but in a 15 team start two, I mean, there's 30 catchers in play every week. And as everybody knows, the catcher pool is very ugly. You know, even some of the guys who are in anybody's top 10 aren't that great. And um, if had, I known ahead of time that I was going to get, uh, Yadier Molina for six bucks, which I was thrilled for. I mean, catch, so much a catcher nowadays is where can you get 400 at bats or 450 at bats or 500 at bats? There's so few guys like that. So many teams now are going 50 50 with their catching or 60 40 with their catching, and there's no real upside, even for the quote unquote starter. 
Uh, obviously, Romito getting out of that terrible park in Miami. Uh, they didn't have much around him. Now Philadelphia's got a loaded lineup. It stopped at a place where I thought the price was realistic. I certainly didn't target him, but in a 15-team league with two catchers starting, I would like to at least have catchers I don't absolutely hate. And, um, you, you know, again, I think they're the tight ends of, of fantasy baseball. It would be nice if I could find a catcher who could be George Kittle this year. I don't know if I know who that is, but um, I, I – my team's a little bit weird. I think people have been looking at it and think, oh, you don't have this, you don't have that. And it's always strange when one of your strengths is catching because it's just not a sexy thing to say, oh, I have Yadier Molina as my second catcher. Who's, who's your second catcher? You know, it's, it's kind of a quiet, sneaky place to gain on your opponents. But that turns out one of my strengths. Didn't plan it that way. It just kind of fell that way. You got Scooter Jeanette for 10 bucks. He's had two good years in a row. Uh, obviously, this is OBP. He's Excellent in average, 295, 310 the last two years, but fine in OBP, 357 last year. Two straight years of 90-plus RBIs. I think a month or two ago I tweeted out, guess who these stats are from the last two years, and hardly anyone guessed because I don't think they believe in Scooter Jeanette like that. You still feel he's a little undervalued? I do, and I think there's a very specific reason why. When players um, either become established or take a step forward, relatively late in their careers. I mean, he it was good at his late 20s. I think he's around 30 or now or so. But he was never a hot prospect. People thought he was just kind of an ordinary, replaceable middle infielder, and he improved his game. You know, he always had, you know, decent average and a little bit of pop, but nothing special. And he all of a sudden became a guy who might hit over 300, who might hit 20-plus home runs. So he does it the first year. And it's one thing, when, when a player breaks through that is a hot prospect, when a player breaks through that is on a, a lot of sleeper lists or there's a lot of expectations pointed at that player, when they do well, it's only natural for the pundits who were in on that to feel good and the people who drafted them feel good. They have an investment in that player. Nobody was invested in, in Jeanette. People thought they kind of knew how good he was. He'd already established a baseline. When he has that season in 2017, it kind of offends people. It's like, wait a minute. I didn't think he was that good. And then the regression police takes that, you know, steps in. People say, oh, don't expect him to hit 27 home runs again or whatever it is. Yeah, but sometimes players just get better. Sometimes a guy like Whit Merrifield, who was never a prospect, was overlooked maybe for the wrong reasons, didn't get a chance to play. Jesus Aguilar is going to be, I think, one of those guys this year. A lot of people will just put the regression tag on him, and they it turns into they're not going to draft him at all. There's a price where everybody makes sense. With Jeanette, I think it's a case of his career didn't follow a path that invested people in him and his surprise season came out of nowhere and it, it caught people off balance. So people bet against him last year because they don't like being wrong. And I think a lot of people are doubling down for the simple reason is they didn't think he was that good four or five years ago. And they're missing the fact that he's done it twice in a row. Now he's in a great hitting environment. They've improved the lineup. I think he's one of the safest plays you can make because he's one of those unsexy value veterans. That's a great place to buy. I think in fantasy and the, in the setup of your roster, guys who, for whatever reason, are not sexy to your opponents, you seem to get value on those players. We know Joey Votto just gets a big boost in OBP, 417 last year, 427 for his career. The one thing that was absent last year was the power for Votto, just 12 home runs in 145 games. Is there anything that you see that you can account for in the lack of power, and do you think he bounces back this year to the 20-25 homer level? I do think he'll hit 20-plus home runs. I'd be a lot less interested in chasing him. I paid an expected price. It's interesting. I have Harper, I have Bryant, and I have Votto on my team, and they all are coming off down years, and yet I paid kind of full sticker on all of them. I didn't get a discount, I don't think, on any of them. With Votto, a lot of it's driven by the fact that even in a bad season, his 
OBP is out of sight. I mean, he's probably as good a bet as anybody to lead the majors in on-base percentage. Uh, and I like the fact that you know, Hall of Fame guys generally don't have the same aging pattern as regular players, so I think he's a good bet. I think Miguel Cabrera, who's a lot cheaper, is a good bet and maybe would have been a better place to spend my money and, and use some of that Votto cash on, on a pitcher that I don't have. I don't, really don't have a front man in my staff, and that really bothers me. But I would bet on – I think Cabrera and Votto are good bets to rebound. I, the thing with Votto, though, is a rebound for him power-wise may just, may just be 20 home runs, may just be 25 home runs. He's not going to hit 40. He's not going to hit 35. But I, the average will be plus. Again, I talked about that Reds lineup being upgraded, and I was willing to pay the big sticker for him. I'll be, I don't like the fact that my team is in balance, but the main reason I was willing to chase him into the 30s is because he's such an OBP-dominant player. You mentioned your pitching staff and didn't get a big arm there, didn't spend a lot on pitching. Was that part of the plan or just the way things developed as the auction went along? Yeah, I, I kind of – the the starting pitching, I couldn't decide who I really wanted to – here's the thing. This is what I got wrong, and this is kind of an embarrassing mistake for somebody who's made done as many auctions as I have, okay? It's okay to overpay – by a few bucks for something you really want or really need. The worst part of it of an auction is when you have to overpay at the end because you're getting the last good player or because you have too much money left. Randall Gritcher went for like 13 bucks in this league because two people just had too much money and there was nothing left in the outfield. He should have been a you know a two three dollar player. He went for 13 or 14 bucks just because it was inflation. What I should have done is just made a target out of Cole or made a target out of DeGrom or made a target out of one of those Indians pitchers or Verland or any of those guys. Even Scherzer at 40 was reasonable and thought, okay, I'm going to get this guy, and if I overpay by a few bucks, so be it. It's better than overpaying later because you have money. I mean, I overpaid. I got. Um, I really like Kyle Hendricks, but I overpaid, I think, by a few bucks, 14 bucks. He's probably an 8 to $10 guy. I think Rick Porcello is underrated. I think volume is underrated for starting pitchers, guys on good teams who throw a lot of innings. Porcello will help you in strikeouts, not because he's a good K-9 through guy, but because he pitches a lot of innings, he's a durable guy. I think he's a really good guy to get, but it should have been 4 to 7 bucks. I paid 8 bucks, which is probably the, the top of his range. What I should have done is gotten a horse at the front of my staff and maybe not bought Matt Carpenter, maybe not bought Joey Votto or something like that. But, you know, Every auction is like Pulp Fiction. It's not told in a linear fashion. You don't know how things are going to go. It's a story that you, you won't make sense until everything is over. And, you know, you don't have the pace of the auction is super fast, and which is great, and I love it. But it just means that inevitably you're going to go down a path, and at some point you look back and you think, how did I get here? I should have bought one more starting pitcher at the front of my staff. Yeah, anyone who has been in an auction knows exactly what you're talking about. People who just look at the final draft board and make comments don't know how it panned out unless they were there live and saw the order that the players were throwing out. But when you come out of a draft like this and you see your pitching and you know that you're going to have to work on it, are you one that is willing to trade early in the season or do you wait a couple weeks and say, you know what, let me see how this pans out? I will trade at any point during the season. Last year in labor, I made a trade with Fred Zinke before the season, which involved Tim Anderson, D.D. Gregorius, and and Patrick Corbin. I was weak on pitching and labor on that team, and I ended up trading for Corbin, thinking he would be good. I had no idea he was going to have the breakthrough season he did. And to tell you the truth, I haven't won a lot of trades with Fred Zinke, but that was one where I think I won because Corbin was so good. But I'll trade at any point. I wish more people would. Uh, you know as well as I do that in expert leagues, there are people who will trade 
Uh, Fred's one of those guys. There are some people who are very reluctant to trade. A lot of other people want to see things develop. They want to see the standings have some personality before they'll trade. I think at any point when you identify either a need or so much of trading is matching up with somebody where you have an excess of something, they have an excess of something, and you can you match up the roster so that you're both gaining, trading from a strength, and you're both atta- attacking a weakness of your roster. That's how a lot of trades get done. So as soon as you can identify that, I think it makes sense. But one thing I will say, even though I don't like my pitching staff, I'll admit that, but starting pitching is always an area. If you have to be weak somewhere, I don't mind starting pitching for two reasons. One, there's just going to be a lot of variance with ERA and a lot of variance with guys get a lot better, get a lot worse for reasons that we a lot of times won't understand. Guys scrap pitches. They have new pitching coaches, new catcher, new spot on the rubber. It can be a million different things. So I feel there's a lot of variance to pitching. And also, every year in fantasy, just about every year anyway, in every league I'm in, there'll be some striation with pitching. Well, there'll be a team that has a lot of good pitching, and he's nowhere near other people in the standings, whether he's running away with the pitching, or maybe he has the third-best ERA, but he's nowhere near the second-place team or the fourth-place team. There usually is somebody who's pitching almost mandates they make a trade because they have nothing left to gain. They're nowhere near everybody else in the standings. So I feel like that that's something that won't happen until the middle of the season. You need, need things to hash out a little bit. But I feel like somebody will be in a position where they have too much pitching or they can't gain in pitching, and maybe that incentivizes them to make a trade. All right, that is Scott Pianowski. You can find him at Yahoo Sports. Scott, thanks for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Adam. Good to see you, man. You too. All right, we'll come back. We got one more hour ahead. Steve Renner, Scout DFS, joins me. We'll take a look at the night in NBA DFS and more fantasy baseball news and other pitchers signing a contract. We'll let you know who it is next when we continue. One more hour to go here, Scout Fantasy Sports. 